Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urvachets. Hello, hello, and welcome to Over Underrated. It's me, your co-host, Fran, and today I'm backstage at TFI Friday. It's 1995, and we're recording our Birmingham special with our special guest, Tim College, who's a podcaster and a PT, and we get to chat about ocean colour scene and the streets. As per usual, we make playlists of our 10 most overrated tracks and underrated tracks, and then we discuss and have a lovely time. So, on with the show, and here's Babs. Welcome to another episode of Over Underrated. And once again, we have gone around the UK for today's theme, Birmingham. And today, guys, we have a special guest all the way from Abu Dhabi, Tim Cottage. Hi, Tim, and tell us about yourself. How are you doing? Um, yes, I am from, uh, I am from Abu Dhabi. Um, and uh, I'm here to, uh, yeah, I'm a, a trainer out here in Abu Dhabi doing doing what a lot of expats do actually uh, surviving lockdown better than uh, a few other places around the world um so uh, quite grateful to be here at the moment yes uh, not far from dubai which is up the road about an hour away and uh, yeah just uh, getting getting uh, getting on with uh, 2021 hopefully it's going to be better than the previous year <laughs> Has there been an, an influx of uh, tourists recently? I keep seeing oh. people from Britain in, in, in those parts. Yeah, and as a result, our uh, COVID cases have gone through the roof in the last week. Um, so uh, they've just closed the corridor between uh, Abu Dhabi and uh, you know the UAE and the UK just because there was cases have gone through the roof. I think it was, you know, they'd probably got a bit of a special relationship from a tourist point of view and whatever. But um, it wasn't good from our standpoint. We're better here in Abu Dhabi because obviously we don't get the tourists that Dubai get, but it still has affected how many cases we've had, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine went to Dubai over Christmas to, to visit one of her best friends there. And the way she described it is it's almost normal. You just have to wear masks everywhere. And she told me she even went to a concert. That, I mean, she couldn't dance, you couldn't move. But I was like, oh, the, I can only imagine the joy. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's pretty normal it is i mean we're and, and we're lucky it's not that we're ignoring the whole thing but everybody's pretty obedient when it comes to wearing masks and stuff and whatever your opinions on that i don't you know i don't care but it, it just seems to have worked for us yeah i guess you get less uh, conspiracy theorists over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah that's that's the case mate yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you've got your own podcast as well tim Yes, I've got a podcast called uh, Coffee with Coaches, which um, sort of, uh, I think it got rebranded early last year as uh, because I realized that I just wanted to chat with other coaches. I'm a fitness trainer. I've been a fitness trainer for 17 years and I've got a business out here in Abu Dhabi. Um, and previously it was called Lifting Weights and Protein Shakes or something like that. And uh, and I'd just done a few. And when it came to lockdown, I needed something to do. I've got trainers around the world that I've worked with. And, you know, I think I must have put about 40 episodes out last year, maybe 30 episodes. 
um, so yeah, Coffee with Coaches, look it up. We've had uh, a couple of comedians from the UK on, Carl Donnelly and Julian Dean, um, which are sort of, the slant was that they're vegan. So let's, uh, let's have a chat about nutrition and uh, Julian likes his training and stuff as well. They were kind enough to come on. Um, and a couple of big names within fitness, really, like uh, David Jackson, who runs a company in the UK called School of Calisthenics. If, if, if anyone hears this and those names ring a bell, then go and, go and, give, it a, go and give it a listen. Sounds cool. But as we're a music podcast, let's take it over to music. And do you ever get the Z? Any live bands on a part of the world? Pandemic or pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic. Our pre-pandemic life was really good, yeah. Um, honest, uh, I mean, I've been here a long time now, and when I do go home, if I'm home, I do try and catch comedy and comedians, uh, sorry, uh, com- comedy and music, but, um, you know, we get the F1 here every year. The F1 always brings out three big bands, so there's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Saturday's usually the biggest, so I've seen The Who, uh, I've seen Blur, I've seen... Uh, prodigy i've seen you know some 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 great bands i saw uh band in question ocean color scene up in dubai uh, about two years ago i think it was um and and i think quite a few of the old sort of <laughs> the older bands that aren't maybe you know getting followed around in the street back home and aren't getting you know the, the, the press and the coverage that uh, the likes of oasis and blur and whoever else would those bands from the 90s and the early 90s come out and because they know there's a bunch of old expats out here that would uh, love to see them play i mean I, I had no idea but you get so many bands over there so that's pretty cool uh, so in that case you have no excuse to not be into music still tim so no exactly still living it <laughs> What's your history of Ocean Colour Scene? How did you discover them? Ocean Colour Scene. Now, I remember their their album from 96, which was being advertised on the back of Q Magazine, which I think's just finished, right? Q Magazine yeah. went out last Badly. year or something. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. shame. Um, and it was that <laughs> at my dad's, uh, at my dad used to play squash in a, in a, basically that had a pub attached to it. And um, I'd just run around this pub and this magazine was there and I'd be so bored whilst my dad was spending two hours playing squash. And this, my, uh, the album, Marching Already, was advertised on the back. Um, and I don't know what it was about that marketing. I don't know what it was about that magazine, but it was the first album I personally remember buying. I think I'd had shit bought for me that I'd request. I'm not going to say that I didn't request shit music. I was a kid not really knowing what to ask for, but I think I got PJ and Duncan's like <laughs> album and stuff not like shame. that. I own, I own it. I own like by Pete and Duncan. It's proper, proper rap, guys. This is this is a guilty pleasure-free zone, Tim. Don't worry about it. We, you, all it, right, okay. You can talk openly about everything. You know, even if you I'll love the girls, it it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd had that bought for me. I'm not saying I didn't request it, but uh, yeah, that that was in my locker. And then I got, and then I saw this advert, and I went and bought with a a job that I had, <laughs> restringing tennis rackets. For, and squash rackets for the same club um, and I went and bought this album and I remember just thinking why there was just it was not loaded at all with there was two songs on it that I like that I used to skip between as I remember it was track four and seven or somewhere thereabouts and um, it took and, and all I listened to was those two tracks that was it and then I slowly you, you know you might let it let it continue playing after one track because it was a you know a cd you wouldn't put it on repeat or whatever um 
and then slowly but surely I started to like the other tracks on the album um, and then it, I just thought it was I just thought it was the greatest thing ever and nothing else really got a play you know it wasn't like you could make playlists back then right unless you was recording to tape or something I was li- I was lis- listening to this album back to back and I thought it was one of the best things ever then I started to realize that they made the music for what I thought was a great program at the time a TFI Friday and there's no one in the UK who can hear the Riverboat song without thinking of TFI Friday. No, exactly. I did not know that was Ocean Colour Scene. I thought it was the TFI Friday song and I was extremely surprised when I put it on. I was like, oh, this is an actual full song by an actual band. Right. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Would you not say that the cover of Marching Already is one of the worst album covers of the 90s? Just is four it the men green in one? the garden. Just four guys in the garden. Oh, I've got it here. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's, I mean, that is pretty amateur. To, they've had a bad photo shoot there, but it was the <laughs> 90s. They could have, they might have had a, they might have had a bad um, night the day before, you know, uh, they might have had uh, a lot of narcotics. I don't know. Fun fact, guys, this album took Be Here Now off number one. Did it really? It's the only number one album, yeah, and it, and it jumped over Oasis, who gave them oh. help in their career, I believe. I was like, what, 17 when that album came out, so I do remember it massively. I remember like for, is it Moses? I can never pronounce the name of that album. Mosley Shoals? Yeah. yeah. Just, that's a, a recording studio, isn't it? Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I remember everyone at school having that album because of a certain song on there, which I'm sure we're going to mention in a minute. Underrated. So yeah, so um, Tim has kindly made us a 10-track Spotify playlist to prove to the world why ocean colour scenes are criminally underrated. And we're starting off with This Day Should Last Forever. So Tim, tell us about the song. And why well, it's... Um, the, the playlist in no particular order... And I had a bit of a phase of going back through sort of 90s indie or, or, or sort of Britpop and the fringes of Britpop about a year or two ago. Um, when, in fact, when I went to, when I did see them live, and this day should last forever came, came I mean, I came out, oh, on what album was that? Yeah, that album. A hyperactive workout for the Flying Squad, 2005. <laughs> great, great name for an album. Yeah. Great name for an album. And I didn't get too deep into that album, but that song, since they played it live a couple of years ago, and I just thought it was great. We'd had a day, it was a, it was a sort of, a, you know, a, an early evening gig and I'd had a day in a beer garden and they played This Day Should Last Forever and I thought, well, what lyrics? I mean, I'm, that is one, I won't take, I won't have it as a criticism of them, it, is that their lyrics are pretty, um, obvious shall we say like some of their some of their uh, some of their lyrics are very blatantly you know they don't they, there's there's nothing uh, cryptic about what they're saying in their lyrics but um i really i i, just, I loved it i'm not i'm not going to have that leveled at them as a criticism by the way before you start to uh, i love the combativeness <laughs> <start>. already <laughs> are we assuming that simon fowler is lyricist is he or of that one or of all the songs i don't, I don't know how it works Obviously, i think I guess... more so um, I, I looked at a few of the uh, credits on uh, writing today, and Steve Craddock's always always on there, and mm. even the drummer was on a, on a few of them. But um, they they tend to just list it. They, they're they're all listed as writers, so it probably is mainly Fowler. But uh, Steve Craddock's listed on them as well. 
Are you a fan of the Wonder stuff, Tim? Where did I hear that? You know what? Spotify is a genius. Like they they've sent me a size of a cow by yeah. by uh, the Wonder stuff this week for the first time ever. I was like, I'd not put the band to the song, but now I'm a fan because of that song. Because yeah, like, as soon as I heard this and heard the violins and the melody, I thought this sounds like the Wonder stuff to me. Yeah, but is there any crossover in musicians at all though? Because they must no, have been. No, no, well, no. Well, I mean, I guess the Wonder stuff are from uh, Wolverhampton, so the part of uh, Midlands and the Sea, you know. And I guess Ocean Colour Scene did start off, didn't they, early on, like in, in, in 1990. So I don't Very know if, early, they were, yeah. if I ever makes it across there. But yeah, I just, I just, as soon as I heard it, I thought, oh, this is the uh, Ocean Colour Scene does the Wonder stuff. Not, not expected. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Uh, another, another brilliant band. Uh, I actually, the Wonder Stuff are one of those bands I've heard of, but wouldn't know anything about them. So uh, yeah, Fran, you'll have to you'll have to send me something. Um, so yeah, I wanted to check Tim. Like, how old are you? How old were you when you saw that advert on the back of Q magazine? Just because I was very young when when this was coming out, and I was still in my big pop smash hits, top of the pops is everything. So Ocean Color Scene, I I knew a few things, but not that much. So yeah, how about you? It was, um, I'd have been 13, I think. I'm 37. Perfect age. So, Perfect age yeah, for getting into just about, Britpop. Just yeah. about right. <laughs> and um, I, was, I, was, um, I, was ra- I was railing against um, Oasis and Blur a little bit because my mates were shoving it in my face. So I wanted to look for other stuff. So I went completely uh, rogue and went all the way to Birmingham from Manchester and found, uh, <laughs> and found uh, yeah, a, a band that I thought no one else would be, like a bit, you know what I mean? One of those uh, being a bit hipster by getting into a band that I thought no one had heard of and actually turned out everybody had heard of them as well. And that's that's <laughs> precisely why I wanted to ask what age you were because I, at 13, the, my gateway bands into that were Radiohead and Muse away from the pop that, that I was into. Yeah, I was just curious. So yeah, so from the playlist that you that you sent us, I only knew, I think, three three songs and this day should not last, no, this day should last forever, I didn't know. Um, for me, personally fran knows my taste a bit better it's a little bit too twee for me like it's a mix between folk and country and that's not really my vibe but with this song as with actually i think every single song on this playlist i can really appreciate the musicianship i think they're all really good musicians and not something i'd ever really thought about and actually i think this song as with any others it really kind of makes you appreciate how they play the acoustic guitar so it's not for me but i i do quite like it i quite like the the how good they are as musicians there's a there's a BBC Two um, acoustic uh, acoustic set BBC I don't know if it's Radio Two it's definitely on YouTube an acoustic set of them two and it would have only been they'd have been past it and they just went on Radio Two and played everything acoustic and it was incredible I think one of them's on a on a twelve string guitar yeah a lot of these tracks you've, you've chosen are the acoustic versions aren't they of the bigger songs yeah I think yeah music, a few yeah. of them have come from that album um, and that you know I just I just think that uh, there was a after that album that I said I bought just there. I think that's a, a an album with no skippable tracks on it. I mean that's a big shout I think for any album. But um, I I don't skip a track on that album. We got a lot of tracks from the B sides album. I think it was it ninety six maybe ninety six. Yeah, touch, yeah. Uh, later it came out straight after the uh, mar- um, marching already. I think it was. And we've got outside of a circle, which is the acoustic version of. The Circle, which is one of their bigger hits. And yeah, yeah, do you know what? I, I had to double check it because I thought, hang on, I know the song. But then I thought, is this the biggest side? So I had to look, and then realized it was, it was the song I knew. And no, I loved it. I think it sounds better, definitely stripped down. It had more of like a George Harrison sort of feel to it. 
Yes, good shout. Very good shout. Yeah. And again, not um, they're not hiding anything in those lyrics there. They're not being cryptic at all. They're pretty much saying exactly whoever the writer was of that one. They're saying exactly what they were feeling, which uh, I, I think at the time I was loving that. I thought it was like my feelings all wrapped up in a, in a, in a song, you know what I mean? But um, maybe if I'd have been a bit older, I would have, would have totally been like, what on earth, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not worried about bad lyrics. I mean, Babs, you, you, you sort of read them, read up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I pay attention to lyrics, I think, a bit more than Fran, but also for me, I, as long as the music's good, I'm not that bothered about lyrics. For, for this one, I, I really liked it, despite it being a quiet song. I think his raspy voice sounds very impassioned. Um, and it, it makes the song. I had no idea it was the acoustic version of another song, so I'll have to go and check out the original version. So the lyrics didn't bother me for this one, but the one that they did was the next one, which is Profit and Peace, because I, I, I really liked, I liked the song. I liked the weird sound effects and, and how they harmonize, but I felt like, okay, they, they want to rail against something, but what the fuck are they <laughs> railing against? Like, what war? This isn't Iraq here or anything like that. I was thinking, like, you know, it came out in 99, what was going on at that time? I was like, okay, well, there's the, there was the Kosovo War, but it was, you know, very vague. And I think, yeah, I read that it was, so the drummer used to say there's no profit in peace. Simon Fowler then took that title and wrote the song about uh, the war at the current time, no mention of which one. And the message is saying, because there is no profit in peace, war will not stop. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess that, I mean they're just, they're two years ahead of a time, aren't they? Basically, guys. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I see this. I think they was I think they was writing for um in in you know ninety six, Dream was the political Labour's Labour's theme tune, mm-hmm. and they was thinking three years ahead of that. <laughs> they were thinking we're we're gonna have something here. Let's get it, lads. Like we'll definitely, we'll definitely get the Labour, the Labour Party need another theme tune for their next election. <laughs> and Bam, see, you meant the neighbours. Well, that's you were here, but like that became the biggest song in England in that time. Did it? In two thousand one. <laughs> yeah, everyone oh, was right. singing oh, really? at the time. Oh, that's when I moved to Luxembourg. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> it was like you know, uh, it was coming. It was the same sort of vibe. <laughs> anyway, so we've gone on to uh, the biggest hit of theirs, the day we caught the train. And if you go to a nightclub in the UK they have to play this after they basically play like a little indie half hour where i used to go to it would be reef put place your hands <laughs> girls and boys wonderwall and then the day we caught the train and this is an acoustic version well it's like a stripped back with a bit of organ on it isn't it tim yeah so the exactly the the years they came out it, it's not the year is the year that the acoustic album came out which i think it was on one of their earlier albums wasn't it this song they we caught the train was it their second Mosley Shores their bigger album yeah love it as a track and you know what in this is one that I think I prefer the the I and there's a couple that I I shouldn't have put the acoustics on I should have put the originals on because I've just taken a fitness class and I played a couple of um Ocean Colour Scenes originals and they're not it, they're not heavy, but they sound a lot heavier than I remember. Now I've been listening to nothing but their acoustic stuff because I, <laughs> you know, got the wrong side of thirty-five, and I was like, okay, I need to uh, chill out a little bit. I should have, uh, I, I should have put the originals on because they're a, a bit more rocky than I remember. You know well, I'm glad you put the acoustic version on because I prefer, I prefer this to the original. I thought, the, oh, did you? Yeah, the the acoustics really showcase his voice uh i didn't realize how good his voice was to be honest because there's so much going on 
instrumentally, especially on the kind of the faster songs with us, the guitar, the bass and the drum. I mean, they're, they're all really, again, great musicians. Um, so yeah, I'm glad. And I'm also glad because I think the B-side album is called B-sides, C-sides and Free Rides, which is a great name. So no, good choice. It is a good uh, album title, right? It's weird not hearing him going, hey, hey, ha, na, ha, ha, in the chorus, but anyway. Uh, I want to say a live review. Uh, I want to say a live review. I had never heard of him in my entire life, so I don't know if this is a stripped-down version or if this is an original It's song. not, the, but the original's not Rocky. I think it just, oh, uh, no, it was either that or they've got a track called Robin Hood, if I got that yeah. right, which, which again is very like, it was one of them as a kid that I remember just, I was always the first one I'd skip, give me the heavier stuff, <laughs> heavy, um, you know, but uh, it was either that, that or this one I was going to put on. Um, and I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I should have left Robin Hood on. I'm from Nottingham-ish, so I should have left it on, but I didn't. And they have a similar track, this very similar track, a bit more heartfelt, I think. This is the thing with playlists, though, that like one day will be completed and the next day. It's like how you feel. It's like when people say, oh, what's your favourite song by a band? It's, it's going to change day by day, isn't it, really? Yeah. And these are bands that, because I liked, because I had the, the CD, <laughs> or, or even in some cases the tape, I think definitely uh, what's the story was I had it on tape before I had it on anything else. I like listening to the album straight through. There's, there's some little... Uh, what do they call it? Like an interlude between two songs that's 30 seconds long and stuff. And if it, if, if it's not in between the tracks, it doesn't feel right. I feel like something's, I feel like they've missed something. I feel like I hate to hear, uh, hello by that fade on hello by Oasis, that fade mm -hmm. at the end of it. Doesn't it go, it goes into something else. And if it doesn't go into something else at the end of that fade, I'm like that you've, you've ruined my life. I need to, I need, uh, the next track. The thing is, I think today you can't ever hear hello because it samples Gary Glitter. It does sample Gary Glitter, yeah. Um, so do you still listen to music as much as you can, listen to the whole album in one go? Or... Yeah, I do actually. Um, it's not out at the minute, but I've uh, got a, yeah, I've got a, I've got a vinyl, uh, I've got a record player because I'm a, one of those wankers. <laughs> <laughs> and can you buy vinyl in, in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It... yeah, yeah. There's, um, I mean, like everything, it's pretty much online and there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's i think because we get um there's a big delivery there's loads of companies that deliver anything anything to you so you can set up a facebook group if i had extraordinary amount of books for whatever reason or old magazines i could set up a facebook group and have somebody come to me and deliver it for very very cheap so i, heard um, about this. I joined um yeah yeah i joined a i joined delivery uh, i joined um an audio facebook group and mm. yeah i can get some really old vinyl and people you know things seem to have come into this country in the 70s 60s and 70s by my friends i mean i've not been here that long but my i've got friends that grew up here and their parents have lived here forever and it's like they've been you know they bought old classic stuff from the 70s and 80s here and it's just been looked after and it stayed here because there wasn't another one to replace it with be like, oh, we bought that record player out. You know, the tall standing speakers that that you mm. could have as a side table, <laughs> those kind of things. I've I've got um, a friend in Dubai who's got those, and he's like, oh yeah, they were my mum and dad's back in the UK, but it, we're not going to take them home. No one's pr prepared to let them die. We're not going to throw them out. So we still got them, and they're they're brilliant. So, but yeah, that he put me onto the group, and the group uh, can deliver the vinyl anywhere in the U in the UAE really. 
Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Il va See, I haven't gone back to buying it. I have all my 12 inches I bought for like 10p in the 90s, just in some sort of box somewhere. But I, yeah. I, I guess I tend to listen to music now in my earphones, walking around or in the car. I yeah. very rarely would sit down and do the whole emotional putting on an album and just sit there and listen to it. What's the, because um, I thought of this the other day, what's the last album you remember having a release date and being a, a thing that you craved and waited for to come out. I mean, I distinctly remember this, and it's I, I can't remember anything since it. Well, I mean, obviously, I worked in HMV, so I was always oh. aware of the yeah, music dates. So up until 2012, I'm pretty cool. But since, oh. 2000, since 2012, um, like, apart from, like, my massive core bands, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably look at Wikipedia. I did that recently to see what albums are out this year. Then sort of like make a, like a mental note, but I think last year I was looking forward to the Killers um, album. But apart from that, yeah, I, 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 no, I'm just surprised when I hear something. Oh, you're much more recent than me. Then I, I mean, I remember, I mean, waiting and buying a hard copy of um, mm. the Arctic Monkeys' first album. So it would have been 06. And I remember, uh, you know, from for a year before it, I'd seen them live in Sheffield. A mate of mine had introduced me to a few other bits. And um, I was, yeah, really waiting. I bought it from, I think I bought it from like Tesco in, in, in my hometown, you know. That day, I remember working in HMV and literally every motherfucker in the area was buying an album. It'd be like guys in like a full suit. It'd be kids who are 10 years <laughs> old. That album, I've never seen anything like it when literally everyone like suddenly had to have an album <laughs> that day. It's mad. Yeah, just to say quickly, I've never been a vinyl person. Um, I have inherited all of my mum's vinyls, including um, Dark Side of the Moon with the original posters, which, you know, I, I feel like if I ever, you know, go broke, selling that. Um, but I've, I've always been a CD person and it really makes me sad that a lot of artists at the moment, if they release something physically, they release it only on vinyl and not on CD. So I think, I don't know if 2021 is going to be the year, but probably 2022, I'm going to have to give in and, and do that. I consciously in 2020 spent way more listening to albums from beginning to the end and that really showed in my Spotify 2020 playlist it was full of album tracks like I'd, I'd never seen before to talk about what albums I'm excited about I think I'm still excited about some albums today I'm a big fan of Tom Vec and so when the news dropped that he kind of surprisingly was going to release an album I was there kind of refreshing social media waiting to find out but I think unless you're a big star like Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift before bands and record labels would really tease a release for months on end and they don't really do that now like it's much more common to just kind of drop stuff so I while I think part of it is because yeah you know we're older and music is so much more consumable now I think it is also that yeah because of that bands aren't you know teasing things so much gearing things up so much yeah, I remember when like Radiohead dropped their uh, in Rainbows. Yeah. It was like, oh wow, oh my god, <laughs> can this can this happen? Can I ban this drop an album like instantly? Being a big shot. But anyway, three. So um, back to the playlist, guys. So we have your first live outing with the yeah. Beatles cover of Day Tripper, and I believe this is live with the Gallagher Brothers. Yeah, I got it the wrong way round for years. I thought the Gallagher Brothers bought on, um, bought on Ocean Colour Scene, but it's not. It's the other way around. I think, like, I think back in the day, Ocean Colour Scene was supporting Oasis a lot, so I guess it was like a, a switch around for once. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of them chatting at the beginning of that track. I just think that's a, I think that's a great collaboration for a start. I mean, two of the two '90s big hitters. And I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you, I mean, sorry to come off of the track, but I mean, Oasis, Oasis and Ocean Colouring covering the Beatles. It doesn't get much bigger than that. I mean, it's a bit. Very brutal, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but what I was going to say was, I didn't get, get into it, is that at the time, these if if they'd have been around, what, five years later, they'd have been up against a lot less competition. I mean, at the time, you had The Verve, you had Blur, you had Oasis, and go a bit further back. They, they, they probably, they, they, it was t- a tough market at the time. But if you put them up against the likes of, I mean, who was around five years later, like, um, King, Albert, um, you know, yeah, Travis, the, Frate- the Fratellis, oh, and yeah. that sort of stuff. That was a week. That was a week, sort of. I thought a week, five year period of uh, music, personally. Because those bands were basically just watered down versions of what they heard previously. And there's previously, so many bands, yeah. in, in, so many bands in the '90s who did like get chucked under the carpet, like Gene. Shed seven, famously, and if they were, if and if they came out in a different era, they would be massive. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's just too many good things happening at the same time, unfortunately. Yeah, it was a big, uh, it was a big decade, definitely. It may be a bit longer than a decade. I mean, in Spiral Carpets, early nineties was that mm. late eight, late eighties. Um, I mean, not not these are bands that I'm I'm not pretending these are uh, that I'm well into them or anything. I'm not that cool, but um, I I know that they were amazing bands, and if been uh, yeah a friend friends of mine followed these guys around uh, the only thing i say about this, this day tripper this, this day tripper version is that i think liam gaddick comes out better as a vocalist i think simon sort of like bellows it a little bit and liam sort of like shows off his vocal skills a bit better i couldn't find them do it anywhere else could it could you i had a look for him to do it. i had a look on youtube to see if they did it anywhere other than that one time and i yeah. can't find it but before we even had a, a, a camera in the pocket there wasn't as many recordings back in the night, so sadly. Yeah, I, I didn't realise that Oasis were on here, so I'm glad that I didn't know that because it would have <laughs> coloured my judgment, I think. I, I didn't recognise that. Um, yeah, I was kind of intrigued as to why you included this cover because I thought it was fine. I really enjoyed the guitar solo parts, but I, I would have actually preferred to see a song with those guitar solo parts as a main thing rather than have it on the on the Day Tripper cover. Yeah, there's probably tracks... Technic- are you the are you the uh, technical musician like no. critique? No. <laughs> oh, aren't you? No. I, I'm- hey, hey, ba- hey, Tim. She's got her own based uh, uh, Instagram, so you know she is. Yeah, I'm shit, and that's the whole point. No, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm the one who's generally between Fran and I. I generally like the heavier music, so I think that's why. I, I I dug the the guitar solo uh, and actually yeah I I felt a lot of Beatles coming through. I listened to the playlist in order and I felt a lot of Beatles coming through before I'd even realised you'd include it. Day Tripper and I was like oh yeah makes sense like that's definitely an inspiration. Yeah, yeah. and exactly Th- these these bands are um, obviously if if uh, if the likes of um, you know the the early noughties bands were influenced by. The Verve and Oasis, then Verve and Oasis were heavily influenced by, um, by well, I mean, we've skipped a generation there. There's the likes of the Jam and the Jam and the Kinks and the Who that went, the, you know, I think that they was the middle ground between between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and then Oasis and, and the, the 90s. 
But that was what Britpop was about, wasn't it? It was about, you know, back to a champion the British songwriting yes. from the sixties and seventies and, and stepping away from the American grunge scene, wasn't it? Um are you a fan of Paul Weller? Because it's usually a massive link, isn't it, between the bands? Uh, yeah, there's um the Steve Craddock play on playing in uh, in Weller's band and the drummer as well played played for Weller recently, much more recently, should I say? And, and the beat, which I thought was really interesting, that's a band I've only recently kind of got into. And I was like, he's he's doing well. Like that's two decent bands from Birmingham. I mean, I love Weller. I love Weller. Um, mm. The jam more so, and even a style counts for me. For me, uh, is uh, I mean, some of the better tracks I personally think come from there. But um, yeah, just amazing. I um I saw um on the same day as Ocean Colour Scene, Paul Weller was headlining a festival in uh, in Portsmouth, and uh, Steve Credit stormed off stage because his guitar wasn't working, and it got all oh, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. <laughs> and then like people had to like film and like so he's going to come back on stage, and he sort of like came back eventually. But I watched Paul Weller, and after seven songs, I realised this is not going to be playing any jam, and I made a quick exit. Oh, <laughs> it, was too, it was too strummy, strummy dad rock. So I went to see Play My Faith instead and I had a better time. Was that a festival, was it? Was it? Yeah. It was a festival, but it was, don't kill me, Paul Weather fans. But yeah, the jam, I adore, but post jam's a bit here and there. Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. What's Wildwood? He did that as himself, right? Wildwood? That was, that, yeah, that was like the comeback album after Soul Cancer kind of like died off. It was like, yeah. by the way, I'm still good, guys. And, and then he became like the, the godfather of Rip Pop. And then, you know. I still think, I mean, if you know, I mean, I was going to say, is is he also uh, is he also underrated? Probably not, because I think we or we, I'd say you're a couple of years older than me, we missed him at his peak when everybody probably had the haircut. I mean, my dad's been to gigs because he's a fan in the in the last ten years, and he said, Tim, like, there's there's guys my age still rocking the the haircut, the whole Believe shebang. Me. It was a sea of, of Weller haircuts. It was kind of, <laughs> it, was, it was like some sort of cult. And I was like going, I, um, are you going to play Start? No, okay. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, TFI Friday, but the next track is the infamous River Boat song. And yeah. uh, so, uh, Babs, as you are not aware of this was the 90s anthem, what no. do you think of this? Uh, yeah, so honestly, it started playing and I was like, what? What the fuck? Like, what? This is Ocean Color scene. I can't believe it. Um, and I, uh, yeah, and then I realized, like, I actually didn't realize straight away that I knew it from TFI. So I had to go and look it up. And I was like, of course. I remember watching TFI Friday, but 96, I was nine years old. So, you know, it was like my parents being pretty liberal, letting me watch it. Um, yeah, loved, absolutely bloody loved it. Loved listening to it all the way through because, like I said, I didn't realize it was a song. And it was really interesting to read that it was influenced by Four Sticks by Led Zeppelin because I didn't quite make that connection. I mean, because I thought, I thought Hendrix was an influence. Well, Wikipedia says Led Zeppelin. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, not saying, uh, when, I hear, no, when list, I heard it again. Listening to it, yeah, I, I'd, have, I'd have said that. I, I didn't hear any Zeppelin, but um, now you, when you said Hendrix then, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you can imagine that. Even the chorus, like the deep vocals, like when I didn't imagine Hendrix singing that. So I thought, like, that's Hendrix. And then we got another big 90s hitter. Oh, yes. With 100 Mile High City. Now, this was on now 37, yes. wasn't it? I, I think that's, oh, yeah. how, that's how I know it. Yeah. The, um, the, I listened to Steve Craddock on um, Stu Whiffin's podcast today. What's it called? Off the Beaten oh, Track. Is that the tra- podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was saying that how they uh, quickly they tried to. Um, lose the lose the sort of 
riffy riffy intros to songs after um after their first two albums they was getting renowned for just long riff intros and um what a shame they was doing their best to get rid of it and then then the career went downhill <laughs> yeah and that, then they should have gone back to it they should don't, don't break it if it's not uh, don't fix it if it's not broken you know I, and i and i like it yeah yeah no and oscar's drumming that song's phenomenal mid-song it sort of like changes gear and sort of goes a bit like everywhere which i, which I completely forgot about well their tracks do that outside of the circles it sounds like two different songs there's 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 versions of it that sound totally different, but I think because of what you said, like people just got used to the intros. I probably hadn't finished the song for years because I guess I hear the first ten seconds, and think, oh yeah, it's that, and move on. Really? And then you forget there's actually a, there's actually a song underneath it. So yeah, I mean I was actually knew the Riverboat song, but didn't know I knew it. I knew the day we caught the train, but this song I've been listening to I feel like since '97 when it came out because it was on on now '37. So. You know, it, it would play it on the radio. And it's it's one of those songs that I actually can't just listen to once. I like it so much that I put it on repeat. And I listened to it probably about seven times today. And then I went on YouTube and I was like, because I would absolutely love like an eight minute version of this song where they just go on and on and on. But I, I couldn't find one. So Tim, if, if there is one, please send it to me ASAP because I would gladly listen to this on a <laughs> I guess it just missed out on the old 12 inch. Yeah, vinyl, I, I think it would have been years. fantastic. Like, especially with the... With the guitar solo skills, I could really see it extending. And and like you say, the drumming is, is brilliant too. I'd be surprised if there's not like a longer version out there from, from a live gig. Yeah, I, I saw a dip, lots of different live uh, versions of it. The TFI Friday one is actually probably the best because they actually stop and restart. And then Chris Evans is like, oh, they're still carrying on now. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a brilliant song. I th- it's, it's one of my Britpop highlights. TFI Friday does so much of music. Like, did, yeah. The band. Amazing. The band that played that show... And it's sad, like I was talking to someone recently, like there's literally no prime time music show in the UK. You've got no. Charles Holland and he'll play like maybe one indie band a month. It's, just, it's quite yeah. sad, really. Yeah, I remember. I mean, when I think of TFI Friday, I think of like Texas, Skunk and Nancy, um, Reef. Like, they introduced me to all those sort of mm. bands and thinking about it, there's a few bands that I could have said were underrated. I mean, Texas were an amazing band. And I mean, Charlene Spateri. Good news, I mean, Tim. <laughs> I, uh, well, I was listening to the radio yesterday, and I guess he's got a new album out next month. Spateri. Yeah, Texas. <laughs> Bring him on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard so, yeah. I wanted to share with you my favourite Ocean Cutter scene um, TFI Friday story that I don't know if you know. Because I was like, well, so obviously I was looking into the band, and I hadn't realised that Simon Fowler was, was gay and kind of tried to keep it a secret, but then was kind of outed. And he's been with his long-term partner for ages. Good on him. Um, I found this hilarious story in the Metro about how Scary Spice outed him on TFI Friday. So I'll, really? yeah, I, I, will, I will read this, but kind of briefly. So Ocean Colour scene Simon Fowler says Mel B tried to pull him until she realised he was gay. The indie rocker met Scary Spice on TFI Friday in the 90s, but her flirting was torpedoed when Ginger Spice Jerry told her he was into guys. An exasperated Mel outed the singer to the audience. Fowler recalled, Mel was like, no way, he's not gay, Jerry said, he is. So Loud Spice goes on the microphone and shouts out, is he gay? That was to the whole bloody audience. I think she got a better deal. She ended up with Eddie Murphy, much better bloody than I could have ever given her. So I really enjoyed that market of information. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that. I would have loved to have been old enough to go to that go to that um, live TFI Friday. It must have been like what ninety five to ninety eight sort of era. I'd love to yeah, have been at those at those live recordings. And it and it was it was on at like six, so it must have been people must have just finished in the office and gone straight there. And I, I tried to bring it back, didn't it, a couple of years ago? But it, it I, kind of like yeah, I seem to remember that. Yeah, I think I think, I think James Corden. 
It's oh, a James God, Harden. Really? Harden. Wrong choice. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, but um, bring it back. Bringing it back, we've now gone into the noughties with Mechanical Wonder, which I had never heard. And we mentioned the Kinks earlier, and it's definitely a Kinks vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's great, See, though, isn't it? I put my least favorite Beatles tribute song. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this is my least Fair favorite. Enough. Sorry, Tim, but um, I, I, put, I it, it does give variety to the list, but it didn't quite click with me. But please go ahead. It, I think it's worked its way onto there because it was a an album track that I um, I would have been at a time in my life when I was listening to a lot of them, and I was like, yeah, that's great. I love it. It's going on there. Um, but I take your criticism. Now Now you've said that, I probably won't be able to listen to it again. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the great ruiner. But what did you think, Frank? I think the verse, I think the verse is stronger than the chorus. And like when it started, I thought, oh, this is going to be a, a cracking chorus and doesn't really deliver the chorus I was expecting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, but I, I'm into the Kinks and the Beatles, so you know, I'm, I'm on board straight away. So I will check this out again. And then we're ending with another track of the album where it started with uh, Foxy's Folk based. No idea what the title means. Yeah, no, neither. And it's got a bit of, um, it's got a few words on there from a film, I think, or something like that. There's, or there's the version I have fades in from a, from a movie or something like that. And I just love the, I love the, um, uh, the 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 drummer that's just on I don't know what he's what what he's playing there but I just thought it was a nice it's folky it's folky it could I could imagine it being played in a pub in 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 obviously in Birmingham just them on an acoustic guitar and a and a little drum set I just think it's a a nice little I would have it, like I said this isn't in any order but I would have always put that as the last track. What do you think of this? What do you think of this song, uh, Babs? Is it too um, folky? I put it's a fine little folk song, but it doesn't really awaken anything particular in me. Um, but you know, I, I do want to emphasise that I think the the playlist as a whole really made me appreciate the acoustic guitar in a way that I normally, you know, I'd say don't, it's it's not one of my favourite instruments. Um, but here here it really was. So uh, so yeah. So I guess because we kind of knew the band more than you because it's kind of our era. Do you think they deserve more credentials, more fame? I yeah. think they do. I there's a lot of variety there. You know, even you know me, Fran. Quieter acousticy songs are not really my jam, and I I enjoyed one or two of them quite a lot, and and saved them, and not just to my chilled playlist that um that I put on. And yeah, Tim, I absolutely want to question you on indie bangers for fitness playlists because I I have a playlist called <laughs> Up and Down and all that where I try to put kind of alternative music for when I do workouts. So I would love to get your, your views on that later. But yeah, I, I think it's like we discussed on our Shed 7 episode, right, Fran, where, and Tim, Tim brought it up, there's so many similar bands going on that maybe they were given more uh, status and were able to be big because that they were playing the kind of music that was popular at the time. But at the same time, you know, it really, the, the peak of their fame was the late 90s and, I had no idea they had albums out in, in 2005 or anything like that. They've been consistent, haven't they, since, since the 90s. They've never, never been yeah, a break. Very, yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess the only problem you, you could say is that they haven't ever tried to change their sound at all, really. <laughs> um, it could have held them back a little bit, you know. But, um, but I guess, you know, if you're a fan of, of that music, then, yeah, you're going to be your fan. You're going to be a fan for life, but I thought they maybe have tried to experiment a little bit over the years. And I checked out a few songs to meet this album. I thought, oh, yeah, they're still, uh, still, still, doing, the, still doing it. <laughs> 
Well, do you know, I was listening to the choral earlier today and yeah, I just checked. So their debut album came out in 2002. So I guess it was that period, like you guys were saying in the early 2000s when it kind of started to fade. And I remember when I played the choral to my mom who was big into prog rock and she was basically like, yeah, I fucking heard this before. Like this is a ripoff of, <laughs> of what's happened. Whereas to me as 2002, I would have been 14. And I was like, oh, this is all very new and exciting. So yeah, I guess it depends what stage of life you're at now you're going to feel it because maybe maybe people getting into them now will appreciate all of their output, even if it is all kind of samey. I mean, yeah, I've seen them live twice and I would say that they're a good live band and he's drummer's brilliant, Simon can sing. I think we just need to have maybe a collaboration with a, a young cool band or something, you know, just to try and push them back into the mainstream rather than us doing like folk festivals and dad rock festivals till they uh, retire. <laughs> But that's where they're going to get money, right? I mean, again, going back to Shed 7, yeah. did you say that Shed 7 draw in bigger crowds now than they did before? I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if Ocean Colour Scene did, especially given that yeah, they were so big they knocked their racist off number one. I guess that's going to be grabbing the tails of Paul Weather. Mm. So as long as Paul Weather doesn't retire, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're all right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, so I would say that I would choose some other bands of era I think are kind of more under the radar, like you know, Gene and Manson, I said earlier, and in a previous episode, Shed 7. Um, but no, I have nothing against Ocean Colour Scene. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Il va chètes. Over underrated. And there we have it. Ocean Colour Scene. Overrated or underrated? What do you think? I kind of think they sort of sit in the middle. They have some decent songs and uh, maybe they deserve a little bit more respect. So, let's go on to the overrated section with The Streets. Overrated. So I bought The Streets. You know, there's a lot of people who do love and hate The Streets. So I bought their and also they've also came back haven't they since uh yeah period of, 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 of like nine years away so i thought yeah okay it may hurt myself but i thought okay let's uh let's make a playlist of babs and uh discuss mike skinner's the streets yeah so um babs what's your uh what, what's your previous knowledge of the band so i listen i would agree with you that the streets are overrated as a general rule they became big, I guess, in the early 2000s. I remember listening, a lot of people, when I went to uni in 2005, were really into them. I have a great video of one of my housemates doing a parody of Dry Your Eyes, where he makes up a whole story that he's trying to take a piss in a petrol station. It's not for public consumption, but I can send it to you later if you're, if you're interested. Um, so, guys, if you, get, if you ever get any Patreons, you will be able to see this. My housemate Ben in the streets into my broken microphone on the computer. I would agree that the streets is slash are overrated because I've never really understood how much of it is Mike Skinner and how much of it is people with Mike Skinner. But it it doesn't bother me as much as I don't know yet, like Oasis or some of the other bands that I picked as, as overrated. I, I was quite neutral about it. So the way that Fran and I did this was he, we we picked five songs each, and I think Fran, you picked five songs that you hate, right? Well, I picked five songs over his career as I was aware of. Okay. There's one I don't mind. Okay, one I don't mind. Whereas I picked three that I like and two that I don't like because 
there were three of his songs that I liked and that was it basically so that was the easy bit and then I had to go and basically hate listen <laughs> to kind of come up with the other two but I did fairly easily I think like the Fatboy Slim episode this had the potential to be a playlist that would actually make me like the artist more because like I said I wasn't that bothered about the streets so to actually kind of sit down and think about it and and go and listen to it I thought well it's probably varied enough that I do like some songs um so yes I will I will come to that later but yeah Tim what's your relationship with the streets well I think I just did a bit of um math so I'm right in the middle of you two and for me they they landed I think pretty much just the time where I could go into pubs without bother. I, d I don't think I was quite legal enough to drink, but you know, I wasn't eight, uh, I wasn't 18, but I, I must've been 16, 17. And I remember going on nights out and not hearing them. And then the next day being hungover in shitty little pubs, playing pool and watching soccer Saturday <laughs> for, and, and, and having that on loop, it, they're not great, but they are of a time in my life. You know, there's a few things fit, but you know it. Like, Same. it's 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 fine. It's fine. Fit, like you know, it's probably the one song that I can I can dig, but mainly because of the uh, the riff. But um, if you start from yes. the top, um, so like I'm not exactly into garage. I mean, I wouldn't really. Is it garage? I guess UK garage. Yeah, definitely. It's not. But it's not as I guess it's not as dancey at is it? It's more like. But, but that's what was interesting. I'm into UK garage, and I'm offended that mm. you put this anywhere near it. But I, I think I think some <laughs> songs up like well, we can come to it later. But there were one or two songs where I was like, oh, there are UK garage vibes coming through that I'd never heard before. Mm. Any of uh, any of the songs I knew. But so yeah, I mean, I think Blind Lights was one of the first one one of the first tracks I knew. I mean, it, it, it's, let's, let's, break, let's break it down. So it's a simple drum loop, a little bit of, of piano usually, or some guitar, and then it's a mic just reading out some text messages. <laughs> and, and, and then, if we're lucky, who will then get an R&B singer just, uh, singing the chorus of the song or the, or the title of the song. So Blind Lights has someone going, Blinding Lights, and then he starts talking about his night out. And that's basically it. I know that's very sweeping. And... I remember Chris Moyles having a parody of it, of him just, you know, just reading a shopping list with a beat in the background. And that kind of is his, you know, that is, that is, that is the streets to me. And I tried my best to try and find something more. I thought maybe over the past 20 years, he's grown as an artist. And yeah, he has added some more textures to his production from the early original pirate material. But if you're starting off with Dry Your Eyes, which I believe is his biggest UK hit, I think, unfortunately, it was number one. Unfortunately, um, so hard. It did, <laughs> it did become like the Chav breakup song. I, I can imagine some kids in some Adidas tracksuits crying, then going home and putting, putting this on whilst having a rank. But I mean, that's, that's my <laughs> point of view. Um, um, what, what, um, Babs, are you a fan of Dry Your Eyes? Uh, I just to you. Um, I'm not a particular fan of Dry Your Eyes, no. Like I said, I like the parody my housemate did. But um, I think Mike Skinner, it is very parody parodyable if that's a word definitely because it is very hard on his sleeve and you know if we're, we're talking about lyrics again like there is no nuance in i i think any of his lyrics maybe maybe <laughs> later on there's a there's a few songs later on where when i did pay attention i thought okay it isn't so much and, and i think a grand down come for free basically was a concept album right like it was a story from beginning to end so it does tell a whole story mm. which i guess is interesting done by that medium but no i'm not i'm not particularly into it as a song and it was very overplayed tim did you uh have to dry your eyes 
what I think I remember the first time I heard it, I think it was on GMTV. I'm pretty sure um, <laughs> nice. they played it on GMTV, which ruined it for me from the start. I could have heard it in an amazing like underground club or something, and it would have been you know like a DJ play, and it would have been a completely different vibe. But when um, Anthea Turner brings them on to, <laughs> at eight in the morning to play uh, to play to play their latest track, no, it does not do it for me one bit. But you know you've hit the mainstream when on GMTV. Right? I bet he never in his, a million years in a, in his uh, bed set in Birmingham on his PC. You would think, hey, one day, guys, Anthea Turner will be uh, dropping a song. I prefer Lorraine myself, but there we go. And then yeah, then Blinding Lights was towards the first track I remember hearing. How about you, Bows? Uh, so I've never heard ever? the song and I loved it. And in a way, you just you described the song quite well, and that's kind of what I liked about it. It's a very trance-like beat. You know, he's on drugs. That's kind of the point. He's going over and over and over mm. again because it's matching the lyrics of he's on drugs and he's kind of freaking out. Um, I liked I liked this song and basically any other song that has another vocalist, I realized, because it's just such a nice contrast to his voice. Um, I thought it was simple but effective. And I don't know if you guys know this song, but do you know Martial Law by K Tempest? That's what it reminded mm. me of because that's about like it's also you know there are poets and they're reading poetry lyrics over a Dan Carey beat and it's set in a nightclub and it, it actually did remind me of that and that's not at all where, where I expected to go but it's also kind of very lush and, and textured so no I, I really like this one actually. Sorry are they of a similar era Kate Tempest? Mike Skinner, no, Scroogey's K- Pip, are they all sort of oh, like yeah. hanging out together K- at that time? Kate Tempest is good friends with Scroogey's Pip, and I think they've been on um, a podcast. I think the streets was a naughty. Scroobus Pitbull 2007 and Kate Tempest is in, the, is, yeah, in the last ten years. Everybody down mm. is 2014, so it's it is much later on. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I but don't know. I think some of the rhymes, though, guys, is really lazy. And I know he can get you know people will big him up for talking about real life and talking about things we've all experienced, like not getting signal, etc. But some of the rhymes, I think he he rhymes. I'm going there. She's over here. I'm going there. And now she's there. It's like <laughs> what? Really? I right, come on, come on, Mike. So I think he gets bigged up for talking about how it was and how it is, but. I find it a bit tedious. Yeah, I don't mind for this one because, like I said, you know, it's about being on drugs, and he sounds like he's on drugs, so I think it goes it goes pretty well. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair it must enough. have been. It, I get a feeling it might have been sampled a fair bit that track. It, I don't know. I just feel like I've heard it uh, with, with other stuff. I'm, not, I'm I might be wrong, but that's the one that s- slips into the garage scene a bit a bit better for me than the other stuff. I mean. What spoken word? I, I don't know. It doesn't seem. I don't put it alongside some of the other garage stuff from, you know, from the uh, late nineties, early noughties that I remember fondly. It, it's no twenty-one seconds, is it, Tim? Oh, <laughs> no, it's not. It's no. It's no. Uh, it's no twenty-one seconds. It's no. Um, what else? What else from that? Craig, Craig David? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that sort of. Um, yeah, come on. I listened to a, I watched a, um, a documentary on making this new album, and there was a lot of new garage producers saying that he was like their influence. So I can see why maybe maybe that track has been sampled. I'm, I'm looking. It's been sampled. Um, it's been sampled in an XX remix mm-hmm. and covered oh. by people that I've not heard of. What, what do you guys think of um, Has It Come to This? Again, I so that, that was the one where I thought I put UK garage vibes. I mean, he's literally mimicking yeah. Pirate Radio. 
And yeah, I didn't think this was groundbreaking. I didn't save it to my list, but uh, again, I liked it when the other vocalists came in and, and I, I thought it was interesting, but it didn't, emotionally, it didn't really chime with me. I mean, he does mention the name The Streets, which is kind of that era, isn't it? But late nineties, early noughties, when you had to keep picking up your own band name in each song, so people knew who yeah. you were. Uh, <laughs> little mix, sadly, you haven't done that for me recently. Um, but yeah, for me, I, a lot of these tracks is repetitive as pretty much the same formula repeated, although he does seem to change later on. And I guess we've got to um, call my uh, call my phone, um, which is from last year, um, featuring Tame Impala, mm. and is kind of a bit more progress and production values from the early days. What do you think, Babs? Um, so this one felt like two different songs to me, like we were saying for, for Ocean Colour scene sometimes. It felt like Mike had gone in the studio, Kevin Parker had gone in the studio, they tried to put those two things together. And it, yeah, it, I wasn't a huge fan of this, but I'm not a huge fan of Tame and Father, to be honest. Um, I, I quite like a few of their songs, but like, you know, like three or four, and then that's it. I haven't really properly sat down, sat down and listened to an album. So maybe, you know, I'm not the audience for this. I'm not a big fan of Tame Empire either, mm. I don't get it. And as, and as an indie fan, I keep thinking, like, a bit like Alt-J previously, mm. like, what am I missing here? Mm. Um, <laughs> why is he massive? I was just going to say, let, let, I do like Let It Happen, and uh, my favourite ever, ever cover is uh, this woman called Meg Mac, who covers Let It Happen on, you know, you know Triple J, the Australian radio station that does those, yeah, like, a version. Yeah. I really, I really recommend checking that out, because she takes the ending of the song and makes it the, the main part of the song. It's really good. And on this album, this is called None of Us Are Getting Out of Here Live. I think there is a lot of um, R&B and uh, Garrett's artists like Miss Banks, um, Slow Tie, Cassian, Daps on the Map. So I think he basically is teaming up with the people who he influenced in the first place a bit more. Mm -hmm. And then he's got a couple of um, indie bands like he's got Rob from The Music, who I think yeah. has been his live vocalist. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, one of uh, <laughs> a song with him coming up later. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and he's and he does attract revivals who are kind of you know massive in the UK at the moment. Yeah. What do you think of, of, of this, uh, Tim? You know what? I've just looked at all of the playlist, and I think if you'd have you could you could shuffle those albums around, and I don't think I could tell you what you'd done. Like they they they'd, they'd all fit on. I don't feel like that. You know what I mean? They, they feel like one song. Like that's all this much of a muchness. It's you know you couldn't. I had this uh, chat with a friend the other day and I was saying that um, hip hop for me, R&B, like Kanye and stuff like that, you, could, you couldn't you could take a Kanye song from last year or uh, the, the album he bought out in 2019 and slip it onto an album that he bought out in 2002. It'd stand out a million miles, right? Mm -hmm. If you did, you could shuffle these around all day long and I wouldn't be able to unshuffle them. Do you know what I mean? They all they haven't changed. Nothing's nothing's moved on. I mean that latest album, twenty twenty. I see what you're saying. There's a bit more production value, but personally, um, I, I, you, you've got me on board here. With the streets are well overrated. <laughs> <laughs> so Babs, it's down to you to try and pick them up. So yeah, so to me, I uh, totally agree with, with, with Tim. I, I was going through the albums and I kept checking to see what year it was, and I was surprised that we we're now in like. No, twenty mm. no, eleven or something, and it's like this doesn't seem to have moved on since the second album at all. Um, and I guess collaborating with modern artists will you know, help his career a little bit more because it will be passing on the streets' name to a younger audience. But 
yeah, I, I, I've i got no idea how popular the streets are right now. Obviously, back in the day, where they were like headlining festivals. And they were, he was a weird band, a bit like the Prodigy, when they could headline dance, hip-hop, and indie festivals. And a lot of people into indie, like the streets, which I always yeah. thought was strange. Because apart from Fit When You Know It, which obviously sounds a bit, you know, like a, a, a yeah. like 70s glam guitar on it, there's nothing I can see why anyone into indie music would enjoy the streets. I, I don't know what, what it was. Of um, Maybe I was too old. I mean, I, I was like mid-20s. I felt too old. Too old I think streets. it's the authenticity of it, or like the seeming authenticity really? of it. I mean, I don't know how true to his life it was, but that that's what the people... I would talk to about it who liked it that was why you know it's like you know it's not um it's not rocket science to understand the lyrics like it's like i said you know it's it is sort of heartfelt um and yes yeah, some people are into that over underrated it's it's got a bedsit vibe to it like you could mm. i know you know i've been in the odd bedsit for for whatever reason smoky whatever after a night out or whatever and that gets put on and in that trunk that is it's he's, he's put that onto an album he's put a you know he's put a council flat and drugs and smoky shitty beer onto an album and he's encapsulated it, I think. And if you've ever spent any time in those places, whether you remember them fondly or not, I think that album or a couple of his albums have, uh, will will live in you for a long while. But it's not something I'll put on ever again. You know what I mean? I don't need to be reminded of those times. So how come it didn't inspire you to make an album too? <laughs> <laughs> Can we hear the bed sick tapes? A one bed, a one bed in Abu Dhabi doesn't really invoke the same, uh, evoke the same emotions. Uh. <laughs> hey, give it a go, we can, and we can talk, talk about it on the podcast. So later on, when he was rich and successful, is it was it harder for him to be, you know, keeping it real? I think he does talk about trying to date famous people, doesn't he? So he tries to talk about his doesn't life. He? Yeah, yeah. I think he talks about trying to. It's hard for him to date like non-famous people. Really? Mike, really? Mike <laughs> and, how, how, and how hard it was. And I think he talks about like, uh, he, he did a song about um, seeing someone famous doing crack. So that was, that was his life. So I wonder if the people who were, you know, into his music at the start, what if all of his albums four years down the line when he's thinking about being famous, if they were having any empathy at all with it. So I, I don't know, maybe that's why he stopped because maybe he just ran out of, you know, modern day stuff he could chat about. Has has that been um, coined like Bruce Springsteen syndrome yet, where he can't he can't sing about pumping gas anymore because he's been a billionaire for like thirty years now or whatever? Like, exactly. you know, he yeah, exactly. I think Steve Martin. I think I think Steve. I think Steve Martin famously said that he stopped doing stand up because no one wants to hear about how hard it is to find a new maid for your mansion. Yeah, like he's, <laughs> well, once he that much out of touch, he can't really do stand up. So maybe it's a similar thing. Yeah, I, I think I've, I was just I think I've mentioned this before, but I think the same applies also for when very kind of angsty musicians fall in love and get married, and then it's like, well, you're not sad and lonely anymore, are you? So where's that inspiration going to come from? <laughs> It'd be interesting to find um, someone who isn't over thirty and find out what the streets mean to them these days if they're still no, because usually. When I see festivals, I can work out how popular a band are, depending on where they are on the bill. But since festivals is now destroyed forever or wherever, 
I can't work out if the streets are now a headline act or they're going to like playing the same level of social I checked the Spotify statistics. He's got over a million mm. monthly listeners, which is quite a bit. But I don't know the, the demographic breakdown of that. I don't know if it's all in, in uh, Britain. Like, are they played at all? Abroad? So I would say probably, but it's probably a bit more niche. Uh, yeah, all the all the city, the top five cities are in the UK and then Dublin in, in fifth. So yes, I mean, I can't imagine anyone in America being down the street. Uh, but I, I, I can, <laughs> because, you know, in this day and age, wasn't it Drake that got everyone into grime? And, like, Americans are unironically into grime, and that's people with, like, similarly British accents doing rap. And I, I was thinking while you guys were talking about how... You know, you were saying, is is this music made for bedsits? In a way, yes. And I think the equivalent now are the songs that are made for TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I, I went on it for a bit and then I was like, this is too much admin for me and I'm too old. Um, but now artists are making music for TikTok to be played on phones. Like that is the kind of objective for a lot of it. And maybe that wasn't Mike's objective, but it did encapsulate that, that, you know, it is so clear cut that you can listen to it on a shitty speaker in an apartment with bad acoustics and you can still get something out of it. Yeah, it'd be interesting, like, do the streets play a massive venue like the O2 if it works? I, I think I think, I think, think people would, would go to that. I, I think people would go to that, yeah. How old they would be, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I've not really seen him live, to be fair. I, don't, I, I did see him on an interview saying that his live show was a bit like, a bit like the Libertines. Sometimes he'd be completely off his face. And he just wanted to see what happened. What happened, and that danger was the excitement of seeing the streets. To me, if I go and see a band and he can't sing because he's off his, his face, I'm pissed off. But you know, about a, <laughs> call me no fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt the one time I saw the AAS. She was off her face, and I was like, Karen, come on, <laughs> get it oh, together. Really? Even though she was dressed as a dinosaur, which was quite fun. But yeah, that that didn't that didn't make up for it, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, which dinosaur does for podcasters? Oh, good question. It was a green dinosaur. I, I'm going to say Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, I thought holding a microphone with little hands would be quite. You know, <laughs> quite. I, I think it was <laughs> Ready 06. So I'm sure that I think it was Ready 06. I can look it up and then come back to you with the dinosaur. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Madonna headset kind of vibes. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, so uh, apart. So what songs stood out for you, um, Babs? Um, I assume you enjoyed uh, track ten with rob from no i didn't music. actually uh i i, I really? put that in actually to kind of tease you a bit because i know that you like the music you, you did tease me. <laughs> Good. um but you it's interesting because your last pick was the way of the dodo which i mm. didn't realize you'd picked and then i picked it as a song that i liked and i was like oh no hang on i've got to pick another one because uh I didn't like this, which which I quite enjoyed because it, it sounds like an absolute parody. It starts and he's talking about dodos and you're like, what the fuck's going on? But then once it starts, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm into this. Um, so yeah, so the first song that I that I picked that I liked is Fit But You Know It because honestly, I don't know if I like it or not. I, I can't tell you whether I like it or not, but I remember being in school and a friend of mine singing it to me in a very kind of sarcastic way. And I was like, what, what is she talking about? I have, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, like you said, Tim, you knew, I associate memories with it. Um, and I really enjoy this. I, I went to find it because uh, I remembered this tweet from comedian Lolly Adafope. She tweeted, feminism is realizing you're on the girl's side in the song Fit But You Know It, which is 100% true. <laughs> like, 100% true. Like, when you really sit down and think about it, he's just pissed off. He, he's like, you know, an angry little incel, I think, in this one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, 
as, what do you guys think of, of that one? I think um, you're talking earlier about which uh, tracks can you work out to, and this is probably his best um, gym playlist track, if, if that's true, Tim. <laughs> have you ever worked out to a bit of a fit, but you know it? I think this has made its way onto a gym playlist nice. uh, yeah, before, for sure. For sure. It reminds me of being in um, greasy, greasy kebab shops after, uh, after a night in a club. Um, and I'm not, not disputing your, uh, you know, Lolly Adafope's statement there, but, you know, there has been very short skirts in, uh, <laughs> very short skirts in um, greasy kebab shops when you're drunk in, is, uh, can be, uh, we should have just left. We should have all gone home long before we even got to the kebab shop you know what i mean um it's uh it that's what it reminds me of and it, it and i still like it it's the best on this playlist for me i've um and it's the, it's probably the only reason i've listened to any other streets track ever and it's also got the best videos as well the, the video goes oh, hand in hand i don't know as i remember the video oh like check it out job for me circuit it's, it's seriously it will, it'd be a time a time walk back to Ibiza Uncovered of, you know, <laughs> oh, God. those girls you're talking about, short skirts, kebab <laughs> yeah. shops, and desperate guys at two in the morning. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, apart from that, I, like, um, what is, what is he thinking? Right. Exactly. So what, <laughs> what is he thinking? I, I just want to explain to you how I got into this song because it's, it's totally random. So I went to the Eastern Belgian city of Hasselt to see a gig, to see Tiger Club and Demob Happy, uh, co-headline which was great and I stayed over the next day and I was working for a cafe uh like a sort of hippie cafe like somewhere between hippie and hipster and suddenly this song came on and I'd never heard it before and it was just quite atmospheric and it was very surreal to be working in a cafe and then the streets coming on like this so I I think I like it because of where I was when I listened to it I just I wasn't expecting it at all you know I, this wasn't you know someone said Barbara sit down and listen to this maybe if they'd done that I wouldn't have liked it but it just yeah it, it kind of hooked me from from that point on and yeah again very simple very repetitive but this is this is one of the ones i like yeah i think it is what situation you're in and you know listening to these songs on my earphones sat on my bed i don't think it's a perfect <laughs> it's a perfect location to be, and yeah i i mean, I've, i listen to each song three times because i'm a good person oh, yeah. um but i think i zoned out unfortunately on, on this track Tim, any thoughts? Um, I mean, no, again, I wouldn't. <laughs> again. Uh, it's not. Sorry, sorry. You're, you're allowed to have no thoughts. It's one it's that fine. I, I, had to, um, I had to go and check it out. It's one I'd not heard before. It's one that I was like, well, yeah, I, I just, it's like, it's another streets track, isn't it? It's a, I think it's easier to say, um, is there any tracks, Tim, which you enjoyed? On this yeah, platform. yeah. There's a couple of street tracks. Like I said at the beginning, Blinded Lights was one I couldn't wait to listen to. Dryer Eyes were a bit, bit of. It was funny that I re that it brought back that memory from uh, <laughs> GMTV. Fit, but you know it. Like I said, Greasy Kebab Shops. But there was one more that stood out. Oh, has it come to this? I, I, I like those. I uh, like those. So it's there early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm that guy, aren't I? <laughs> you're very welcome yeah. to the podcast if you're that guy for sure um and babs what else on your, on the last five um spoke to you so puzzled by people i did genuinely like i've i've just discovered that song that album but it made me think of checking out that album further i thought it was interesting that you were saying that you know you could shuffle the songs and they can be from any era you're probably right like i guess i've, I've never listened to the streets in any kind of chronological order but puzzled by people did intrigue me 
um, and made me want to go and check out that album to see if it was any different. But I'm guessing it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and the escapist, I think the only fact I learned was that he walked 770 miles for the music video. What? Yeah, so I might watch that video ever and yeah, then it's the end of conspiracy theory. So yeah, just to say, I, I didn't like The Escapist. That was, I thought, I well, what the only thing I liked, I guess, were the kind of pizzicato strings, and that's what I also mm. enjoyed in What You See Thinking. I do like the strings, and I would like more strings, synthy or, or otherwise in the streets. I think it gives it a bit of texture. Um, but yeah, conspiracy theory freestyle, I picked it because it's got Rob Harvey from the music, who I know was, yeah, in the touring band or like co-writing with him. And yeah I, I felt nothing i thought this was kind of vacuous pop i thought mike skinner's voice was especially annoying i remember when um when ride broke up and uh, andy bell did hurricane number one and then when oasis did the split and half the band left in 2001 andy bell joined oasis and rather than being on the guitar he played bass so for years i was watching andy bell play bass with oasis thinking you fucking prick, you're wasting your talent. And he's an amazing songwriter. And luckily now he's left and he's, he's now back, back and wide. And watching Rob with the streets is the same thing. I love the music. And I keep thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Please leave the streets and get back and do the music because they're an amazing <laughs> band, underrated. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to do an underrated the music because I think we, we agree. So we need to find like a third person who hates them or something. But Rob Harvey does a lot of pop songwriting now. So he co-wrote um, Head and Heart with Joel Corey and M&EK, for example, and that is that is modern pop. So he's he's it's not he's not just doing stuff for the streets. He is he's working for a lot of other people as well. And I mean, I guess he can, right? Because he, the music was so big when they were when they were so young, and clearly he's got skills, and that pays the bills. Hey, it rhymes. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I really I really didn't like this at all. And that's it. So wraps up. So uh, I assume Tim's going to say, like myself, that the streets are. Overrated. I agree. Overrated. Um, yeah, if I have to be absolutely binary on this, I have to say that they're overrated. There's a, there's a little place in my 18-year-old heart for them, but um, yeah, overrated for sure. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel that they're overrated, but I think there's it could be worse. It could be worse. And I, I think he, I guess he was fairly unique at the time. You know, because he, especially he was big in this period where it was a little bit after sort of, yeah, Craig David and kind of, you know, UK Garage becoming big, but before rap became a more mainstream genre. So he does occupy a very specific place in time and that's fine. Like he's overrated, but I, I, I can't bring myself to care too much about it, to be honest. It's strange that because um, I've never met, or never met, I never read a, a band review for the streets. They seem to be one of those bands that, get across the board glowing reviews as well so right. yeah it, we are not yeah um yeah my views didn't match the music press unfortunately um and i guess i would just have to i guess not working in music anymore means it's easy for me to ignore the streets and uh, i will be from this podcast going forward <laughs> So thank you for listening to our Birmingham episode with our guest. Um, Tim, you've mentioned your podcast. Is there anything else you want to mention? Get me on Instagram, I suppose, Tim College Fitness, college with a D, C-O-L-L-E-D-G-E, fitness. And you'll see anything that I do there. So if I, you know, if I drop a, a, a podcast or, or whatever, um, have anything online that's, that, that people in the UK can get hold of, then, uh, then you'll see it on there. 
And are you going to be making that indie fitness playlist available, Tim? Oh, that's a great idea. An indie, an indie fitness playlist would be, uh, you know what, speaking to people about their playlist that they train to would be um, a good shout. Excellent. Make it into a podcast. I, I swear that I would spend an hour making a playlist and then go to the gym for 10 minutes and then get, and get, and get a stitch. And go, yeah, well, I mean, it's worth it. It's a good playlist. I've, I've had some complaints recently. I've had some complaints about my music recently. Not, not the tracks that I'm playing, but I'm doubling up on uh, the odd song. Um, and it's been a point of uh, my, my group training programs have been renowned for playing good music. Um, so I need to get back on that. Glad to hear it. I remember, yeah. I remember doing, doing Pilates and my Pilates teacher had shuffle on and uh, fucked the police by NW that came on halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept thinking, how long is she going to play with until she turns over? Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't really work in the vibes, guys. But yeah, um, definitely we'll share your pl- any playlist, Tim, yeah. with our audience. Yeah, and I, like, I, awesome. it sounds like your fitness classes are worth attending because I have to say, I, I use my exercise playlist to drown out any YouTube workouts that I do that are very... Uh, sincere, I can't handle it. So I'd rather kind of put them on mute and put on my own music. So yeah, that good music workout sound much better. <laughs> um, Babs? Um, well, I, any, any final thoughts? Yes, I do have final thoughts. I didn't mention the fact that I, you know, we talked about Birmingham and I went to the University of Warwick, which is in Coventry. So I went to Birmingham quite a bit student and I went to a lot of gigs and I went to quite a few indie nights and also to eat a lot of Krispy Kremes at the, at the ball ring. Um, but I, I feel that I really didn't explore Birmingham as much as I could have. Uh, you know, every gig that I went to was really good. And I went to, I think, Britain's biggest indie night for, for one of my friend's birthdays. And now I, I have friends who live in Digbeth and stuff and something that there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. So I would definitely be keen to go back to Birmingham. Haven't been there, I think, since uni, since I left in 2008 and, and see how it is, because I'm sure there's a lot more going on than, uh, than maybe when I was living near there. So, yeah, keep it real, Birmingham. Keep it real, Birmingham. And uh, so um, that's another episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed Birmingham and let us know your thoughts. Um, Don't be dicks and stay safe. Bye. See you guys. And you've made it. Thank you for getting this far. Thank you for listening. Let us know what you think by getting in touch with us on social media it's over underrated music pod on instagram and ou music pod on twitter so let us know of anyone you like on the show or any bands you think are over or underrated thanks again remember to subscribe and share to some people you like or if you hate this podcast people you hate have a great time with your podcasts goodbye